Jeez, I better, I better keep my lead while I've got the chance. Mm. So I'm gonna go. Not ahead gonna be able to get that, that far because of this jam over here. Oh no! What? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! There is a traffic jam because of this crazy loop to loop. Welcome to Witch Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we return to the Kingdom of Palm for the Harvest Festival, but this time we've got an airship in My Little Scythe, high in the sky expansion. Next, we start our engines for the big race, and if we can't corner quick enough to win, no problem. We'll just bet on the other guy in Downforce. And lastly, we wish our penguins had elbows as they muscle through the lunch rush on the ice floe in Hey, That's My Fish. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I'm about to go full nerd. This is episode 103, which was also my character number in the LARP we used to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Joe Unbreed, and as one of your faithful companions in that same LARP, Evan, I wish you a happy game-filled Father's Day. I'm Ed Povolitis, and wait, what? LARPing and going full nerd? I'm Mike Grenier, and I just tell my friends I'm going camping. <laughs> you still do that, huh? <laughs> no. Actually, I'm proud of my LARPing nerdiness now. Hey, everybody. At which game first, Thursday night is game night. Always has been, always will be. But now we're playing Thursday night board games online, and we want you to join us. It's so easy. On Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, just go to Twitch and search for Which Game First's channel, and boom, you're in. Twitch is free. <laughs> <laughs> and don't just watch us, interact with us. Tell us what move you would have made, or if you played the game, you can give us helpful hints. Or give us feedback on the game platform that we're in that week, or the meeple colors, or anything else you care about in the world of gaming. That is Witch Game First. We are having a lot of fun with this new Twitch thing. Oh, yeah. Thursday nights at 6.30 Eastern Time. See you there. See ya. See you at Twitch. Twitch, Twitch, yeah. Twitch, Twitch. Our first game up this week is an expansion. It is My Little Scythe, Pie in the Sky. Designed by Hobie Shu with his daughter, Vienna Shu. Published by Stonemaier Games in 2020. Number of players, 1 to 6, ages 8 and up. Playtime, 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box shows an owl and a fox flying a hot air balloon through, you guessed it, a pie in the sky. <laughs> Inside, there are two pairs of Seeker miniatures, owls and arctic foxes, and corresponding friendship, trophy, pie, and action tokens. A really cool airship miniature that comes with its own custom die, nine airship mats, six overlay cards, five airship gadget tokens, four new power-up tiles, two brand new quest cards, and rule books for both games as well as an achievement sheet. And that's... What's in the box? Well, before we float on over to the review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In My Little Scythe Pie in the Sky expansion, two new seekers, Fox and Owl, and a communal airship are added to the My Little Scythe core game. The airship can be used by any faction to help them travel, quest, or gather cargo. 
This game requires the original My Little Scythe game to play it. This is a competitive but friendly family game in which each player controls two animal miniatures embarking upon an adventure in the Kingdom of Palm. Players take turn choosing one action, move, seek, or make. These will allow players to increase their friendship and pies, power up their actions, complete quests, learn magic spells, deliver gems and apples to Castle Everfree, <laughs> and perhaps even engage in a pie fight. The best fight <laughs> so that violent. can possibly be engaged in. The most violent of fights. <laughs> the most delicious they were dripping of fights. with delicious red. <laughs> <laughs> with the expansion, you now have to earn five trophies to win instead of the usual four. We played My Little Scythe here at my home. It was a live game, which we hadn't done in a while. Jealous. Yes. <laughs> uh, how was it getting back to uh, a physical game after playing month in the digital realm? Table and chairs. <laughs> well, before we get into that, I want to welcome Joe back for this segment. We pulled him in because we all played as a family. Hey, Joe. Hello. Joey. Hey, welcome Joe. back, Joe. How's it going? Beautifully. <laughs> so Joe and I and our kids played this game, but I'll tell you, for this game in particular, I sure did miss that board game arena rules locking. <laughs> or maybe even this quick setup time. Yeah, I heard there's a little uh, a little frustration in the setup. Is that true? Well, I'll tell you, my son's comment was, the setup was too complicated for such a simple game. Wow. That's a pretty good critique for somebody his age. Or how long was it? I mean, we're talking about it took five minutes and that was five minutes too long? Or was it... Uh... <laughs> oh, no. It took us a good 30 minutes to refresh ourselves with the original rule set and then yep. to familiarize ourselves with the movement and rules of the new airship. Now, okay. I loved the addition of the airship because it added speed to this game. But uh, but first, I'm going to ask Joe. Joe, what did you think of the setup and the setup time? I think I was slowed down a little bit by the fact that there was new components in there that I know that I hadn't seen before. Yes, there are all new powers for the factions to go with the airship. And there were a couple of new personality types. So this expansion had some nice additions. I like the personality additions, which are basically a little private special ability that allows you to get a bonus for your faction of some kind. Like, mm -hmm. like you don't have to deliver a full four diamonds. You can deliver less. So that was great. And even though that sounded complex and it adds a token to the game, which is another piece you've got to move around properly and have to know how to move it around, my kids had no trouble picking up those elements. And in fact, even though my son said it was complex and got a little annoyed, he absolutely knew every aspect of it, meaning he corrected me on mm -hmm. all the mistakes. So he had certainly absorbed it, but I mean, he is a gamer by nature. Uh, Seek, I want to move the ship. The airship, so you can move up to, you move four, and you have to land inside with a gem or apple, right? Is yeah. that right? I want to go there. Where? To the place with the two apples and one gem. I want the gem, because I need to honor the Soviets' trust. So, I, after watching the instructional video of it, because I wanted to know a little bit about it before this conversation happened, um, and it seemed like the airship is kind of a cool component that just creates a moving point of interest on the board it doesn't really favor any one player that's right the airship is for all players to play with there are three types of actions you can take in the game move seek and make so during the seeking action you now get the airship which allows you more movement and a cargo space which was so nice oh right you don't have to be at mm -hmm. the place where you're cashing stuff in it just has to be on your ship and you could be anywhere else on the board if you want to 
I have a suggestion for Stonemeyer Games and anyone else who is making these more complex games for young children. I would say that they should take a tip from Charterstone, one of their other games. <laughs> take one of tips from yourself. Right. <laughs> Which is to give us the rules slowly over time and let us start playing sooner. Meaning reveal a couple of rules and then let the players take a move or two and then reveal some more rules. I understand where you're coming from. I know that is your personal preference for learning too. You prefer to learn while doing. And I don't know if all kids learn better that way, but I would imagine it is a good way for kids to learn. It's kind of the role of an expansion to provide another layer of complexity to a game. You know, So usually the original game has simple rules that you figure out and then kind of stack them up as you buy new expansions for it. So what do you think was the toughest thing for the kids to absorb here? My children were pretty enchanted with the animals moving around, sometimes in two different directions or sometimes moving together. The cuteness factor really helped keep my daughter engaged. It did. I've been wondering whether or not you could paint those things or not. You, you can, yeah. I watched a couple of videos pertaining to this, and they actually encourage the painting of these figures online. It's an extra activity to do with the, with the kids and the family. I think it's a great idea, brilliant idea. Oh, sure. There's a lot of people who love painting minis. And these are great starter minis because they're larger than the mm -hmm. miniatures that you normally get in board games and role-playing games. They're detailed, but they're big enough so that they're hard for kids to lose compared to tinier miniatures. I wonder how old the designer that helped create this game was. Because uh, I understand that she played a big part in this game design, and I think she's relatively young as well. Oh, Yeah, that's cool, actually. Depending on the age, there would be a whole different type of input there. I mean, she definitely knows about sharing and stealing and stuff because there's... A really cute thing in the game where if you're on a space and you take one of the hearts off of it, you have to give the opponent that was there like two pies or something like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like a lot of equity in the game. There is a lot of equity. that It started in the original game, but they certainly continue it here. My daughter absolutely loved the part where you got to give people stuff to go up on the friendship meter. Mm -hmm. That's a good sign for the future generations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe and Max and I argued about the color on this game board a lot. Joe and my son were convinced that the mountain area was gray and the rock area was brown. And I was sure that the mountain area was brown and the rock area was red. <laughs> this is the blue and white and gold dress. Oh, yes. Gold dress. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we had a lot of confusion because I was like, okay, Max, put an apple on brown. And Joe was like putting it over in the rock area and i'm like no it goes on the mountains and i was getting annoyed <laughs> you know so they're like that is not brown and this is the same problem we have with joe's car it is brown 100 percent brown and max <laughs> and joe are like are you crazy it's gray it's blue <laughs> the only way to settle it is to find out what number that color is oh yes exactly <laughs> i'm convinced that our you know, human color perception is very subjective. And there's a reason for that. When when you're in a hunting party of six people with spears looking for bear or something or, you know, watching out for bear, everybody needs to be focused on different possible dangers. Oh, that's a good point. Going deep. <laughs> right, because then you spread out your skill set. Yeah. Cooperative gaming in uh, the uh, Australopithecine. Yeah, it's a, it's, like, it's a life or death co-op. <laughs> I just checked out. The game was designed by six-year-old 
Vienna back in 2017. Oh, wow. Six. Wow. That, that makes me wonder about something. I saw that there's an achievement sheet on the game, mm-hmm. which is really cool, but that's very much influenced by like video games. That's a lot of video games do that, but I've never seen a board game that does that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury my little scythe pie in the sky expansion. Joe? I'll dig this up. I'm a sucker for cool props and expansions that add new players or new factions and airships. <laughs> yeah, airships. Cool. Ooh, airships are cool. I like anything that allows for more mobility and speed in a game, and this expansion integrates and balances the new movement seamlessly. I'll also add that my kids said it was a dig up for them now that they know the rules. All right. So dig it up. High praise. Evan, where can you find this game? You can find this expansion at local stores and online. It runs for about $20. If you have thoughts about My Little Scythe Pie in the Sky expansion, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us on this segment, Joe. Oh, it was a blast. Thanks for coming by, man. Bye now. Our next game up this week is Downforce. Designed by Rob Davio, Justin D. Jacobson, and Wolfgang Kramer. Published by Restoration Games in 2017. Number of players, 2 to 6. Ages 8 and up. Playtime, 30 to 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. This box cover features a race car driver in the thick of the action, burning rubber and triumphantly raising his trophy over his head. Inside the box, you'll see a double-sided game board, six race car pawns, six driver plaques, 48 speed cards, six power cards, and a score pad to track your bets. And that's... What's in the box? Before we rev up this review, Evan... Tell us how it's played. Downforce is a card-driven bidding, racing, and betting game. Players are dealt a hand of racing cards that they will use in three aspects of the game. Number one, the auction, in which six sets of cars and special ability cards are auctioned off to the highest bidder. But be careful how much you bid because the amount will be deducted from your total Mm -hmm. winnings. (laughs) Number two, the race. The cars race around the track. You control cars' movements based on the card you played on your turn. And number three, betting. This happens the first time a car crosses each of the three betting lines on the track. This is where players will choose which car is going to win. They wish. After the checkered flag drops and all other players either cross the finish line or play out their hands, the player with the most prize money wins. Yeah, baby! Start your engines. We played this game on Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. where the animation of it was super fun. Uh-huh. I love that. Yes. And I love it when rules locking actually gives you all your potential options. It makes it so much easier to choose your action. I dislike it because I can't go taking the cars and pushing them off the edge of the board. Yes, Evan mm-hmm. prefers cheating in his games. <laughs> I don't call it cheating. I call it entertaining. <laughs> well, in my case, some of the animation, since it was a beta, was pushing the cars right off the track, and then oh. when it refreshed it, it would be back on the track. So some of the animation wasn't always working perfectly. I wish that bug worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that even better. I love stuff in beta in general, and, and this was a lot of fun. 
We also played this game live on Twitch, so you get to see all of the beta errors live and in color. And unlike other games we played, this one didn't take two and three quarters hours. <laughs> it was over actually quite quickly. Mm-hmm. I love the time of this game. I agree with Celeste. It is the correct, appropriate length of the game. It reminded you of driving cars. It's a fast sport and a fast game goes nicely hand in hand with that. This game is based on a game that started in 1980 by Kramer. It's a long race. I mean, it's a 40-year-old game now. Imagine that. And the one that's on Board Game Arena is based on the restoration published game of 2017. It looks really nice. It does. I mean, I kind of want to play the physical one because I saw the pictures of the, uh, the, the car mini. They look pretty cool. Are they like matchbox sized? No, I think they're a little smaller than that. But that's the idea, though. When you have minis that have wheels, I'm sure the cars actually do wheel just fine. You know, it's... it's it's, I don't know, it brings me back to my childhood, you know, collecting who didn't like playing with cars or things that rolled around. So much fun. And they have little racers inside of them. Oh, yeah. I used to collect Matchbox cars, and but I had a, my parents had a friend that would bring their kids over to the house and he would take my Matchbox cars and smash them together. Oh, gosh, that was the worst when other <laughs> kids would ruin your toys and your games and things because they didn't care. Ugh. Punks. <laughs> So I had victory in the palm of my hand, but uh, Celeste was bidding on Ed's car to win the whole time because, you know, they, for some reason they think Ed wins a lot or something. I don't know. But uh, (laughs) so she used one of her cards to push Ed over the finish line right before I was about to, uh, to finish because she had money riding on his car. As did I. Well, one of the great things about this game is that betting element. So just to clarify, you try to get your cars to win, but you also can bet on any car you want. And a big part of this game is controlling other people's cars during your turn. So you sometimes get to move other people's cars because the cards in your hand that you control have a lot of cars listed on them and you get to move all the cars that's listed on them. You don't just get to, you have to. Right. And that's a big element. And so why the betting can be key when only one player is playing a card, but there's, say, three other players playing cards, that's three other opportunities your card can be moved. So you're winning, or the card that wins is driven by all the players, not just one. And I now realize that what I should have been doing was betting on Ed from the beginning (laughs) and helping his car along. (laughs) That is a strategy, yes. I think the bidding is important for multiple reasons. First of all, you're going to start the game basically in debt. Mm -hmm. You win a car, you owe that much money at the end, it comes off your prize winning. So consider that a minus. So be careful how you bet or be a little judicious there. So you don't think that I did the right thing by betting $12 million? (laughs) Starting $12 million in the hole. Uh, On on two vehicles, that seemed a little high. (laughs) I realize that now. (laughs) Because it can't, it'll hinder you in the final reckoning of things. Because I bought two cars, and you don't need to buy two cars, do you? You don't need to buy any cars necessarily. Right. There's a scenario in which you can have this race and not be the owner of any cars. And then you're totally invested in, ma- in seeing whoever it is you want go across that finish line and making your bets accordingly. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get to look at your hand before, and this is the hand you'll have for the whole game, before you bid. 
and your hand is going to reveal which cars you're going to get to move and how far you're going to get to move them. Considering your hand during the bid is key for the cars you're going to buy and for the cars you're going to bet on. And for the special abilities they have too. It's also a matter of when to play those cards because once you play that card and you've moved those cards, that card goes into your discard pile effectively. You can't bring it out again and use mm-hmm. it. So you may find yourself towards the end of the race. You used all the great car cards that moved your car as cl- three quarters of the way. You're almost at the end, but now you're stuck with a couple cards in your hand in which, oh, I can only move other colors. <laughs> I can't touch my own cards, and I hope somebody else pushes me over the finish line. I have no more control at this point of my I car. I made that mistake. I made every mistake in the book you could have made between <laughs> bidding and racing. <laughs> burned all my power cards up early, which if I had been thinking about it logically, I could have used that as a strategy to s- create a false sense of uh, investment in my car to win and cause people to bet on my car because it looked really good at the beginning. Um, hmm. But I didn't do that. I, in fact, bet on my car thinking it could win because I tr- tricked myself into believing <laughs> that the early lead meant a win. Celeste, you not only tricked yourself, you tricked me because after the second betting line, I bet on your black car to win. <laughs> so thanks for that. Boy, did it not. <laughs> I, I was seven million in the hole at the end of this game. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's that's an investment wasted. I mean, even though if it looks like you're trying to make a tricky strategy like that, it is still important to get out in front of other people because you can get jammed up. And that's part of the strategy is using your cards that aren't as favorable to you at the right time to jam other people up. Yeah, I think it's fun to play a card that's going to move one of your opponents, but they end up getting nothing. And in the game, Board Game Arena, has them like do like a little uh, now bleeped out square when they can't move. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was just hilarious. We opened the game up and used a random map, and it was pretty crazy. It was one of the expansion maps called Danger Circuit. It had, like, loops and splitting lanes and stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was real easy to jam people up on that. They also had spots where the, the whole lane was just one space. Mm-hmm. So you can't cross – you can cross somebody diagonally, but if they're in the one space that leads to the rest of the track, you just can't pass them. It's a bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, total bottleneck. Watch this. Oh, sorry. It's Whoa, a six, but you can't <laughs> I like the curse word that you used. I did miss the score pad of a physical <laughs> version. It looks really cool. Sure. <clears throat> and it has a little math section at the bottom where you add uh, your racing total plus your betting total minus your auction total. <laughs> and that's your total at the bottom. I did see some fans of this game just laminate a single sheet and use a dry erase, which I thought was smart. Uh, that's, that's smart. smart. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. It leads back to the burning debate of the dry erase versus the golf pad. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, if you can have you a know. golf pad, you got to have golf pencils also. Grease pencils? <laughs> yeah, you could use a grease pencil. Remember those? You had to pull like the string yeah, away from, I love the, those. from the core and reveal it. I had too much fun with those. I, I peeled them way further than I should have to actually be able to write. Yeah, the gr- grease pencils have kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah. It was, you know, before dry erase, I think, came along and was made it big. But <laughs> grease pencils in the 70s and 80s, that was, that was it, man. We'll miss you. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury downforce. Ed? A race game where you can not only bet on the horse to win, but also play the card needed for them to win. 
There are three button rounds that add a nice twist to this game, so I'll dig this up. Mike? I wouldn't go too far out of my way to play this, but it's simple enough and there's enough fun moments in there for me to occasionally dig it up. Evan? I very much enjoyed the auction and controlling other players' cars. That was fun. And the special powers were very interesting. Also, the game moved relatively quickly. There's a lot to admire here. Dig it up. No wonder this game has been republished a gajillion times over the last 20 years. It is a breezy play with a fun bidding auction. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find this game? You can find this game online and at local game stores. Retail for about $40. If you have thoughts about Downforce, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Hey, That's My Fish, designed by Gunter Cornett and Alvidas Yakalionis, published by Fantasy Flight Games in 2011, first published in 2003. Number of players 2 to 4, ages 8 and up, Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us, what's in the box? On the cover, there's an extremely greedy penguin with an overflowing armful of fresh fish, smugly smirking at his rival who has none. (laughs) And is doing his best movie scream to the sky. No! (laughs) Inside the box are 60 fishy hexagons to create your ice flow, a rule sheet, and 16 colorful penguin minis. (laughs) And that's... What's in the box? Before we belly glide into this review, Evan... Tell us how it's played. In Hey, That's My Fish, (laughs) players waddle and slide to catch as many fish as possible with their rookery of penguins. Each turn, a player moves one penguin in a straight line over hex-shaped ice tiles with one, two, or three fish on them. The player then collects the hex from where the penguin started its movement from the table, thereby creating a gap which penguins can't cross on future turns. When a penguin can't move... It is removed from play with its owner claiming the tile on which it stands. The player who collects the most fish wins. Yes, fish. You must have all the fish. He who has the most fish smells like fish. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that Celeste put a waddle of penguins in there before, but I looked it up and it was rookery of penguins. On land, penguins are called a waddle. In the ocean, they are called a rookery. Wow. (laughs) That's weird that they have two different names for them. That is interesting. And you may also like to know, uh, if I may channel Joe Unfreed for a moment, (laughs) that all of those animal group names came from a book that was written in 1480 called The Book of St. Albans. No way. Wow. That came from one source? I thought it was just over time they came up with that. Yeah, just accumulation of knowledge is building up. We played this game on yukata.de. Yeah, we sure did. Actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought for the interface. Yeah. It is the ancient interface that isn't the most user-friendly. Here's a feature of that interface. It opens the, <laughs> the game window for you. It opens the game board, which is a portion of your screen. And then you go to make it full screen, so you think the board's going to like all get big with your screen. Nope. It's a bunch of dead space that it opens up to with absolutely no purpose whatsoever. <laughs> Thank you. You got it. 
Yeah, and when I'm playing Yukata on Twitch, it the screen is so bright yellow that it messes my whole lighting up, and I look like I'm, you know, opening up a treasure chest with a ton of gold inside. All the <laughs> or your jaundice or something. <laughs> yeah, right. The yellow that that background is is Manila. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to detract from the amazing games that they programmed on there. Speaking of amazing games that are programmed into Yukata.de, how did this game play in that interface? Surprisingly well, I thought. Yeah, but there's not much to this game, so mm-hmm. a site like Yukata could definitely handle something like this. The decisions are fairly simple. Select a penguin and move it in a straight line to wherever you want to go, and that's it. Right, and try to block the other players from getting the triple fish or double fish spaces and try mm. to isolate them on uh, an ice flow so they're all alone and have to leave. No more lunch for you. Yeah, you want to have like a nice big island for yourself. I was trying to like block people off like, all right, no, this is mine. (laughs) I got greedy and tried to be an interloper on Ed's Island and it cost me a lot of points. (laughs) (laughs) Totally thought you were going to go get the big island to the side because I couldn't get there anymore. But he decided to come over and try to take two fish from me. And I was like, what? You just cut yourself off from your own island. Yeah, I could have had 12 points over on that island. Instead, I wanted to take a bite out of Ed's first and it, it cost me. (laughs) <laughs> and it's a good thing that there's a rule in here about mitigating the first player going, oh, wait, that's not this game. Uh, if you're going fourth in a four-player game, you're screwed. Yeah, it's not not helpful in this game for sure. The, the first player advantage is pretty strong, it seems. There is some advantage in being the last one to place their pen wing. Because you get to see where everyone else is gone and then can block off something. That's one way of looking at it, Ed. The other way to look at it is, oh, everyone else went, they took all the good spots, and I'm dead now. Well, there's a lot of good spots on the board. <laughs> there's a, you know, because part of the strategy is starting yourself off in the right spots, though. And I kind of started near the edges because I kind of got myself a clear path that I wanted. But with four players all wanting those triple fish, you know, you're not going to get too many of your preordained moves to happen the way you want them to. Yeah, you maybe get one of them. And actually, uh, I think I only, like, one of my early planned moves, I got the first one, but the second one was long gone before I uh, got to move a second time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to resort to your plan C sooner than you wanted to. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think the stronger part of a strategy would just be to plan out how you're going to carve out an island watching what other players do, because that is really the trick, isolating yourself with all the goodies. Yeah, starting in the middle seems like a better choice, because that way you have all the hexagonal directions to go. If you start at the edge, you cut three, you know, you cut two to four of your areas off right away. True. Mm-hmm. So you're really, you can get yourself stuck quick on those edges. Even if there are, you know, some really attractive looking three fish tiles over there. All right. What sound does the penguin make? Uh, what? This is the sound <laughs> a penguin makes. Squeak, 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 squeak. I'm noticing a cuteness factor to the physical game that did not exist at all on the online game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those penguins in the game look really cute. I want to see them. <laughs> Except they're vicious killing machines. They're not really that cute. <laughs> <laughs> this game is really popular. I mean, on Board Game Geek, there's something like 700 plus player pictures posted. Whoa. Lots of them have custom pieces that they've designed, custom painted penguins that they've made, (laughs) all sorts of stuff like that. I even saw a giant version of this that people were playing in the park, you know, where they were playing the penguins themselves. Aww. (laughs) Where? What? Are you serious? Uh, (laughs) One person who looked at the picture suggested, why 
Aren't they all wearing tuxedos? I made a board game back in the day where we did a live version of it, and it's kind of like a hex board like this. I wonder if I still have the pieces, because if I have those hex floor pieces, we can kind of just play this game with that. Where are we going to get all the dead fish? (laughs) We'll just buy a bunch of versions of Happy Salmon and throw those fish around. The entire game. (laughs) (laughs) The game was designed in Lithuania, and the name there is simply... Penguins or Lithuanian for penguin. I think I prefer, hey, that's my fish. It immediately tells you there's conflict here. (laughs) (laughs) Any game title that has an exclamation point in it is good. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury. Hey, that's my fish. Mike? There's more here than meets the eye. Watching the board quickly vanish is fun and creates interesting strategy choices. So dig it up. Ed? It's a simple game. It's easy to learn and fast to play. It's not particularly deep, but it's fun to block other people off and carve out your own little piece of ice. I'll dig this up for another play. Evan? It's not a bad warm-up game. It gets the brain moving on game night, but to me, that's about it. More of an exercise, really, than a game. I'm just not finding it that interesting beyond it. Bury it. Well, for a hex-trapping game, you could do worse. Uh, Mooglues, anybody? (laughs) Yes, agreed. This game is elegantly simple. I know for a fact my kids would love it. So dig it up. Evan, where can you find this game? You can play this game online like we did at yukata.de, but if you'd like to grab a version of it, you can buy it at game stores and online for about $20. If you have thoughts about, hey, that's my fish, let us know. We are at which game first on... Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including our exclusive patron-only podcast, Bonus Points, just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. And if you get a chance, please leave us a like, a rating, a review, a shout out, uh, pass our podcast along to your friends, retweet and ring the bell. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. Ed has a final thought. Hey, that's my game.